sometimes in the afternoon and what the heck, in the evening too. Good coffee is just that. It's good coffee. One of the perks, pun intended, of my profession is that I often get to taste coffees in the countries from which they originate. I have had Ethiopian coffee in Ethiopia. I've had Brazilian coffee in Brazil. I have had coffee from around the world in many, many of its home countries. But I got to tell you what. There's a coffee that I love coming home to, and I think you will too. Papa's Roast Coffee. You can get some at www.papasroast.com. Dean and Debbie Chris, my friends, they roast this in their own shop. They have It's from a single origin. Every bean is roasted to perfection in small batches. It's shipped to you in eco-friendly bags. You can go online and look right now. www.papasroast.com. Hey, let's get to our conversation. Hey, welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I am super excited today. Uh, one of the reasons is because we have a guest, Ed Kaczmarek, um, who is the Executive Director of Youth for Christ in Sacramento. And um, if that sounds familiar at all to you, uh, it's because I cut my teeth in ministry with Youth for Christ. I owe so much of everything that we do uh, as a pastor, as a leader, as a uh, missionary around the world to the ministry and the opportunities that Youth for Christ gave me. And they're near and dear to my heart always. Uh, in fact, uh, we support one of his missionaries in his uh, in his ministry, Corinne. Uh, we just love her. And, uh, and so we are so happy uh, to have you here. Ed, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah. Ed is there. Um, Ed, Ed is the director of Youth for Christ. I know he has, te- he has taught at William Jessup University. I, are you still teaching there? Well, actually, Leonard, what happened was I uh, was with Youth for Christ in Fresno, mm-hmm. felt a call to come work at in the university setting, and I was a fundraiser for the university. Oh, uh, okay. I was raising money for scholarships, grants, uh, building projects on campus. And I was there a little over three years. And that that's what brought us to the Sacramento area. And then uh, Youth for Christ came calling and I was ready to get back into the uh, front lines of the battlefield, as it were. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I taught at William Jessup for a little while. I uh, just had that. Uh, they extended a, a gracious opportunity for me to come out and be a part of their staff. I just taught a few classes um, for the Accelerate Program. It's a great organization, a fast-growing university. Um, you know, there's not a lot of Christian universities in Northern California. They're one of them, and they're in a great growing area. So I, I think there's good things ahead for Jessup. Oh, I believe. And they've got some great people uh, leading there as well. Um, Ed, you were on uh, staff in Fresno. Uh, how, did, uh, what, how did God get you to Fresno and Youth for Christ? Uh, when you were there. I'm going to ask you the big question in a minute, but I'm curious about that journey. Yeah. Uh, well, I married a Fresno girl and that's kind of the rest of the story. Um, <laughs> I personally was born and raised in Nebraska. Uh, okay. Found my way to the Southwest. I discovered there was uh, life without snow and I thought that was a pretty neat thing. And so I uh, ended up getting my degrees in the Southwest and, uh, Ended up in California by working at in Christian camps, mm-hmm. um, and Christian camping led me to look at other youth ministries, and that's where we bumped into Youth for Christ in Fresno. Okay, and as you know, there's a long history of Youth for Christ dating back to the '40s. Oh yeah, uh, nationally, the first paid employee of Youth for Christ we all like to remember was Billy Graham. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, and so um, in Fresno. The, the ministry was there also since the 40s. And uh, I found out that they needed an executive director. And so I signed up. Oh, that is great. I mean, Fresno has a long history with uh, Buf Carriker and then H. Spees and some other people that have come alongside. And yes. I know H. Spees has recently gone home to uh, to be with the Lord, but he is such, he was such an amazing human being. Um uh, I just loved him dearly. And I met Buf several times, uh, but mostly on the golf course. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that's the, that's the place where um, all the good words come out when you're <laughs> golfing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Buf, 
Buf was a very uh, well-known and uh, powerful uh, leader and Im impactful leader. I didn't, I never did meet Buf. Hmm. Um, our paths just never crossed, but uh, I stood on his shoulders and HBs and other great leaders in Youth for Christ. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and our, our podcast is called Say Yes and Become, and it really comes from the premise or the conviction that that we are the sum total of our yeses. Whatever we say yes to, we actually, it transforms us. And from the scriptures, um, we want to say yes to an invitation to God to come be his friend. Just join, just be close to him. Uh, the Bible puts it this way, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, the New Testament writers seem to say that's pretty much the summary of the law, along with um, love your neighbors yourself, which is saying yes to partnership with God. So loving God, loving others, friendship, partnership, um, that those invitations change us and transform us. And the more we say yes, and the better our tools for saying yes, uh, the more we move into likeness of Christ and we become disciple makers, really. Uh, and so um, with that being our premise, uh, I'm imagining that you um, went from Nebraska to the Southwest, uh, to the camping ministry, to marrying a Fresno girl, to Youth for Christ, to <laughs> Rockland, now back to Youth for Christ in Sacramento. I imagine that involved a lot of yeses. Um, yes. And so you why, are... there you go. <laughs> and so what are some significant yeses in your life that you could say, this yes actually helps shape the course of my life? What are some of those that you could say? It's such a great question. And I love how you pose the, you know, the, uh, the scripture breaks into those two yeses. I, I think that's right. I, uh, for, for me, Leonard, I was born and raised in the Catholic faith. Uh, I, I like to tell people, I was probably 16 before I realized there were non-Catholics. Hmm. It was a very, very Catholic uh, cultural upbringing in, in hmm. Omaha, Nebraska. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Uh, I mean, you can be pretty uh, siloed when you're, you come from that kind of a culture. Uh, along the way, I was pursuing what I understood to be God, but really didn't have a vibrant faith. Uh, just was trying to do right by God. It's when I was invited to a, uh, a summer camp. Uh, it was a parachurch organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah, yeah. Great organization. Um, I was able to get involved because of a friend who invited me, and I went to a summer camp, and they posed a very simple question. Now, first of all, they stated that the Bible was true and that Jesus was real. And their question was, do you do you want him in your life? Hmm. And it was it was kind of like a Forrest Gump moment. It's <laughs> like I've never thought of that. No one's ever asked me that question. I I mean, if I'd ever known that there was an option, I would have said yes years ago. So I raised my hand. I stood up. I said a prayer, and I said yes to Jesus. Oh, I love it. Only because I was asked the question. So I would consider myself, you know, in. Uh, in terms, in agricultural terms, I was low-hanging fruit, hmm. and I was so excited to to have a relationship with Living Christ, and everything changed for me from that point on. Yeah. I felt like I was seeing in black and white, and then I was seeing in color. And uh, the Bible came alive to me, and my faith came alive, and that started a a, a great journey to Jesus. Wow, I can imagine you know growing up Catholic that. Uh, you went through communion, you went through confirmation, you went through or your first communion, all those things. And once the Holy Spirit entered your life at that moment that you trusted Christ, uh, that the soil that you got out of the Catholic Church really uh, made sense to you in a brand new way. My my soil was prepared for the the harvest, the planting and the harvest. Yeah, that's for sure. I um. I appreciate my Catholic upbringing for, for that uh, reverence of God that was instilled from an early age. Many fellow Catholics have the same sense that there's really a reverence that sometimes we lose in today's world, but to recognize that, that God is, is omniscient, omnipresent, you know, omnipotent and all of the above. And uh, for, for some that turns into a sense of fear and shying away from God, right. But when you realize that you can have a relationship with such a God, 
that draws you immediately to him. And that was oh, yeah. my, that was my case. Wow. I love, I love that story. That's a refreshing, um, that's a refreshing ver view of God's pursuit of you uh, mm. and how he knew that catching you as a teenage uh, young man would lead you to Sacramento where you are now uh, coordinating the fishing efforts for young mm. men and women. Uh, what a great, great picture that is. Any other yeses you said? Well, and that's really foundational for me, that whole concept of uh, uh, ministry to youth who might otherwise not set foot in a church. Mm. Um, and so, and there's a lot of them out there, as you know. Um, mm -hmm. So along the way, there were what I would consider many yeses. One of the big ones, Leonard, was um, I got my degree in geology, not theology, geology. Wow. And uh, so I, got, I had a master's degree in geology. Uh, all the while, my faith was growing during that time. And I got a job in the oil industry. And I was seeking the right church and, you know, kind of trying to figure my life out as a young man. And I worked four years in the oil industry, pretty much realizing that this was really not a passion for me, being a geologist. And uh, it was a good hobby, but not I did not want to continue that being my life's career. And so all the trappings were great about professional, you know, geology. And there was a, a bright future ahead. But I realized that many of my colleagues even were saying, well, when I retire, then I'm going to do X, Y, Z. When I put in my 30 years, then I'm going to live. Yeah. Then I'm going to do something. You know, 20 more years, I'll move out of Texas and move back to my home state or whatever it was. Right. And I realized I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to live now. And if that's living for the Lord, I want to find out what the Lord had for me now. And so on one fateful day in 1991, I was in prayer, in heavy prayer with the Lord about, God, what do you want me to do? I had found an opportunity working in Christian camping, but I would have had to say no to the golden handcuffs of a great salary and a great future in this career. Mm. And I prayed I prayed, and God gave a very, very clear message. In fact, a, kind of a miraculous uh, revelation that I indeed should go and move out of Texas, go to move to the camp where there was a job opening. And I made a tough decision to leave the oil industry and move, and go into Christian camping for about a third of the pay. And you know how ministries yep. pay or <laughs> don't do. pay. Yeah. And I made that move, sold a house, sold sold a car and moved to California where, where uh, this Christian camp was hiring a camp director. And I'll tell you what, from day one, although there was quote unquote sacrifice in that yes, I've never looked back. It was uh, an amazing, amazing choice and uh, brought me so much joy from the start. Oh, that's terrific. And were you married at the time? Well, I moved to California and one of the first people I saw was this cute, young, blonde California girl with, wearing cowboy boots and shorts. And I thought, hey, that's, the, that's a cool look. And uh, <laughs> that's Lisa. And I, uh, I met Lisa, who was from Fresno. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years later, we were married. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. I love that story. Um, Christian camping has, uh, I don't know the numbers, but I know at one point in time, uh, you work with Youth for Christ and Young Life. Between the two, they covered like 85% of all Christian camping um, mm. and experiences. And we know that when you get kids away from their environment, we know that when you put them in a, um, in a situation where, um, the distractions can go away that God speaks uniquely to them at different times. And so what a phenomenal way to uh, get rid of those golden handcuffs and put on some uh, 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 opportunities to learn ministry and just see God transform lives. Uh, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah. The, those the, the different ways that you can do ministry, for example, what was impactful for me in high school was having a, a club on campus Mm -hmm. where I could plug into FCA. And then I was learning about God. And then later was the question was popped to me. Do I yeah. want to know him? Wow. And that was a camp setting. Yeah. So the way I look at it now is in ministry, we want to have, we want to have a bunch of different tools in our toolkit. Yeah. If you're going to, you're going to do drywall. You have to have, you know, blades and, and uh, 
putty knives and saws and tape. And you have to have all these different tools to do a great job. And in ministry, same thing. We want a bunch of tools in our toolkit. And that includes on-campus clubs, mm -hmm. off-campus meetings for kids, summer camp, weekend retreats, whatever it is, a tool that will reach a kid for Christ, we'll put it to work. Oh man, I think that's terrific. How many, you describe your journey and and uh, we'll get into more of this in a little bit, but um, what I love about your story is, is nobody had ever asked you before. You know, you, you say so clearly that they proposed a question, uh, would you like to know Jesus? Is this something that you would be open to? Um, do you see that that is a pretty uh, common thing even today with young people that there's just kids out there who've just never been asked? I really do. I, I do. I, I think it's common. Uh, some of my presumptions about kids today uh, are that, first of all, there's a lot of potential out there. Uh, secondly, there's a lot of hope for our young people. Um, I, uh, I know that hundreds and hundreds and in fact, across the world, millions of young people are looking for truth and reality. Yeah. And uh, as Pilate said, what is truth? Well, we know what the truth is, and kids are looking for the truth. They're not jaded to the truth. They're jaded to what they believe to be uh, de deceptive. And so they're jaded to cultural things, to maybe jaded to certain authority or, or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're still looking for truth. And so when we can be in relationship with kids, they can learn to trust us, and then we share with them what we what we know is our truth mm -hmm. many, many times they are just all ears and they're ready to accept that truth. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's the great news. The great news of Jesus Christ is still the only great news that we've got. Right. And Jesus is our hope. And so when we have the opportunity to be with kids and share that with them, it's fruitful. Yeah. yeah. That is a hundred percent. Yes. For me, I, I totally agree with that. Um, before we run down the road of students and everything, um, uh, can you give us uh, and the people listening, um, give us a, a good description or a healthy description of Youth for Christ and how, what that looks like. You can be more specific to the Sacramento area if you'd like, but give us a good description uh, so that when I begin to ask you questions about things, people can go, okay, that's a context. You got it. Uh... Well, we mentioned Christian camping. Again, one vehicle, one set of tools to reach kids is take them to a camp setting, uh, have fun, share with them basics about the gospel, and then give them, pop the question, do you want the gospel? Do you want Jesus? Well, I discovered when I first encountered Youth for Christ in 06, 2006, um, that here we have a vehicle that is reaching kids everywhere else. Uh, so in other words, um, how do we encounter kids on campus at their school campus, middle school and high school? How do we encounter them right after school or right before school? How about can we connect with kids later in the evening when they have time on their hands? What about weekends and then holidays? So how do we get in kids' lives and be in relationship with kids so that they might uh, by walking life with us as Christian, caring Christian adults, that they might catch and understand who Jesus is. And that's really the core of what Youth for Christ is all about. Christ sharing relationships with kids so that they might also become followers of Jesus. Mm, yeah. And so some of the, I mean, the, you can imagine the ways that we reach kids are so varied. It might be an on-campus lunchtime club where we play crazy games and have some pizza and then just a very brief scriptural lesson in the 33 minutes that you have for lunchtime at that school. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then you might uh, have a little bit more uh, free time and space and actually even, let's say, the uh, legal freedom to share Christ after school on campus. Mm -hmm. And kids might stroll over to an empty classroom and meet up with the after, after school club. Yeah. That's a, a campus life club is what we call it. Uh, that We might then invite kids to say, uh, come over to uh, a teen center that we have not far from their campus and do more activities and have a really more clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, they'll receive their first Bible. They'll have an opportunity to ask questions. 
and we'll tackle some hard questions. I mean, we don't, uh, we don't shy away from the tough questions, but we are very careful about not uh, alienating a kid. Right. Uh, you know, in the olden days, you might say, well, we'll welcome a kid even if he, you know, comes with a cigarette in his hand. Well, in modern times, it's much more complicated than just a cigarette. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what if yeah. someone shows up and they feel that they're multiple genders or yeah. that they're, uh, they identify as something else that's really hard for us to understand? Yeah. We still are, want to welcome every kid because every kid needs Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean we change, but we let Jesus make the change that's needed in a kid's life by introducing them to Christ. Yeah. And that's where the love comes in. Man, we, I don't know if Youth for Christ still has this phrase, but uh, back in the 80s and 90s when I was around, uh, we would say we're anchored to the rock, but we're geared to the times. You know, that yes. we're always going to tell you about Jesus, but we're going to tell you in a way that, that matters to your language, to your culture, that addresses <clears throat> both the real and felt needs that that you walked into this room with, um, uh, that you left your campus with, that you went to your campus with. Um, since we're talking about students and we're talking about our culture today, um, there's a, a culture war happening. Uh, it you make it's not it's not even hard to see, and I know there's a lot of people out there um, who are trying to fight a culture war. When in reality, the the mission of the church has never been to change culture. It's just the legacy of the church that when we pre preach the gospel and when we make disciples who make disciples, we become change agents of culture. It's our legacy. It's not our mission. Um, and so now you step in and you've got this staff, these volunteers, and they start uh, hanging out with kids. Uh, what are some of the what are some of the battles that you would say, these are the surface battles, the one you see, and here's some maybe beneath the surface that um, people aren't calling out and recognizing, but we certainly have to address. Well, that's really interesting and it can be complicated, but to try to simplify that thought, um, on the one hand, we have battles that we face. We have misunderstandings about the freedom in this country to share Christ. Mm -hmm. We're always facing the misunderstanding uh, and, and many even public officials think, oh, you can't mention the name Jesus on this property or right. you can't carry a Bible on this school grounds. Well, oftentimes we're politely and kindly clarifying what the law states. And there is a lot of freedom. There's a lot of freedom to share Christ, even on school campuses, yeah. hey, especially if the students want to do that, if they have a Christian club. They are free to do that, and they can share that on campus, and they can invite Youth for Christ to be a part of that club and to help facilitate. So we, we first of all, want to uh, politely work within the bounds of the law and yet sometimes need to clarify that uh, with our uh, friends in the, uh, in the system, so to speak. Um, that's one thing that we face and that we battle. Another kind of a culture war is just the confusion, the abject confusion that is not only present among youth, but being promoted by strong forces in our culture to be spread through our, our youth ranks. And it's very sad and it's very discouraging at times, but we always lean on the, the fact that every kid needs Jesus, no matter how confused they are. Uh, even the kids who we would say have it all together need Jesus and they need caring adult mentors in their lives. And so I think, as you kind of alluded to, I think if we major in the majors, we focus on the fact that we know Jesus and we want to share his story with a kid. Yeah. We then let Jesus make a, any transformation that's needed in the heart. We let Jesus and the Holy Spirit do that work. Mm. Our job is to connect kids hand in hand to Jesus Christ and then let the Holy Spirit do the, the real heart, heavy lifting and yeah. the hard work in a heart. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think as you describe that, um, uh, I'm gonna put the word in here. Uh, you haven't used it yet, but I think you'll. Uh, there is a personal connection, a relational connection um, that we build with students, or that you guys are building with students, that allows the gospel to be communicated 
in a small group, face-to-face, in a circle, before school, after school, uh, on a campus, in a club, in the evening, uh, on a weekend, at a game. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many Fridays and Saturdays were spent at football games or basketball games, wrestling tournaments, uh, just finding our way to wherever kids might gather and then creating safe spaces for them to gather so that we could build a friendship. And we could yeah. say to a student, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And it's not a preacher shoving something down their throat, but it's literally a friend telling another friend how hope entered their life. Yes. Um, and and so I know you you're 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 talking about that. Um and that sounds like even your experience that a friend invited you to an FCA camp. Uh, you had these FCA meetings and there was connection. Um, that really is true. And, and it's really interesting to me that just it was just a few years back, maybe five, six years back that I really realized I've always attributed my uh, becoming a follower of Christ to FCA, which is true. But at the same time, I realized, oh, it was a friend in school yeah. that invited me. Yeah. And that's where those those students have such an opportunity. Students who are followers of Christ have the opportunity to invite others to come with them and join them. And that's a very powerful part of our ministry of what we do is friends inviting friends to our opportunities. No, I I can see that. And that's powerful. Um, Ed, when you when you look at at students today and you describe the multiple places uh, that you're connecting with kids, um, oftentimes the, the place has, the, well, you tell me, does the place you connect with kids shape the kind of kids you draw, or are you getting pretty much the same student, no matter where you're connecting with them? Well, uh, just a little insight into the crazy, uh, region that, that I live in now, this Sacramento region is so diverse and, uh, you know, I would say geographically, uh, when we have meetings in South Sacramento, um, we have our basketball clubs or whatever that we do, we'll have just a heavily what we used to call minority population, mm-hmm. right? Uh, eth- ethnic populations of diverse with uh, Asian, Hispanic, uh, African-American groups. And uh, yet we've got clubs, uh, our campus life clubs that meet after school up the in the mountains where there's the mountain communities, primarily uh, white white folks like myself. And, yeah. uh, you know, we love every kid and every kind of kid. And a lot of times we like to mix it up and get our groups to come together, for, you know, come down the mountains or go up the mountains and and kind of get together and, and see what the kingdom of God might be like when we're all mixed together as a diverse pot. Mm. So um, we, we love... We love working with any kind of kid. And uh, again, every kid has that that void for Jesus that's in their heart. Hmm. And so we'll we'll put ourselves in all kinds of different situations, basketball programs, teen centers. We've got three teen centers in our uh, in our chapter. Uh, we have uh, campuses that you'd consider in the wealthiest of neighborhoods hmm. and campuses in the most destitute of neighborhoods that yeah. we meet with yeah. kids. Yeah. Evie Hill used to say, uh, the African-American preacher out of South Central, he would say, uh, he's, we're organized for impact and everywhere somebody can be lost, we got a committee to find them. And mm. I I used to love that. He said that at a Billy Graham School of Evangelism thing. And I went, man, I am going to steal that. And uh, we're organized to impact. We've got a committee to find somebody anywhere they can be lost. And we know that's a lot of places. Um, and, uh, and so when you are, when you're, when you're looking at student culture today and it's diverse and what you, the ministry you do is diverse, uh, from its crossover basketball leagues to, uh, being up in the foothills in grass Valley and Nevada County and, and the multiple places in which, uh, youth for Christ, uh, meets, um, and the multiple kinds of students you reach and the experiences you give them. Um, if you were to look at student culture today, uh, even from when you started, I think you said you started in Fresno in 2006. Right. Yeah. From today in that, in that little, what, uh, 17, 18 year window, what are some changes that you've seen? 
You know what, what I think I see on, um, I, I would say on the positive side, first yeah. of all, I see, I see a vigorous hope. Hmm. Uh, I think maybe 20, 25 years ago, there may have been a little more complacency, a little more sense that um, if students were already going to church, that it was just something that, that they did out of habit. Um, they would go to, you know, Christian meetings kind of as a cultural habit. But now I think you have to be, you kind of have to put yourself out there to go to these kinds of events and meetings mm -hmm. and to be a churchgoer, you're making a statement. And so there is a vigorous, hopeful, courageousness, courage, sense mm -hmm. of courage in young people who are saying yes to Jesus. Hmm. And, and so, yes, I do think there is, they're they having to swim harder upstream to walk the Christian life. But I think it also, um, in a sense, it's a, almost like a sheep and goats kind of a moment. Yeah, They yeah. have to commit in their faith. They, they have to commit and they have to hold strongly to one another and to their mentors yeah. to stay strong in the faith. So it's a watershed moment, I think, hmm. in our culture. But, but I'm hopeful on that side. On, on the negative side, I would say, and on the challenging side, I, I would say, and I'm not a statistician, but it, it sur surely appears to me that depression and suicide has increased. Uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, self-worth, you know, thoughts of self-hate and self-harm have increased. And we have just in our area, we have, uh, there was, has been news of suicides averted through some of our conversations mm -hmm. with kids and some that have transpired in a place where the kids didn't have anyone to lean on and yeah. didn't share their inner burdens. So we're always trying to get kids to share and hear the truth and, and be a, and a listening ear, which is so lacking in, in today's world for kids, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and maybe that's another thing I'd say Leonard is nowadays, so many thoughts are being shoved down kids throats and almost nobody is stopping to listen to the kids. Mm, that's great. Yeah, That's what they need is to be heard. There's such a value in being heard. Um, if you study through the Gospels, uh, you will discover that a huge portion of Jesus's interactions uh, started with somebody else speaking. Mm. You know, started with somebody else asking a question. And even if it was a trap, uh, you always sense that Jesus heard what they said. Uh, you always get this sense. Well, so tell me what you think about that and and such. So I love that. Um, when uh, when we're describing a culture today, the one of the biggest trends I see, and maybe you can speak to this as well, is that the pathway to brokenness is has it's it's widened, um, but it also the pathway to cultural expressions, whether it is in sexuality, in, uh, in, um, even in depression and, and, and the things that you mentioned, um, statistically, uh, those, those used to be anomalous numbers, but now they're very, they're very much a part of the mainstream. You know, when you start looking at, uh, how many kids have experienced abuse at the hands of an adult, uh, how many, those numbers are skyrocketing, um, and the pathway, the anatomy of getting to these identities that people have, it's actually changed from what it was when, uh, in the sixties and seventies, uh, and, and early eighties, when, when I was doing some youth ministry in the seventies and eighties, it's like, those pathways are fully different now. The pathway to understanding your sexuality, because the understanding of sexuality is influenced much more by culture now. Uh, are you seeing those types of things in, in the students you're working with? Well, I, I, I think so. It's, it's like just today, um, I, I went to a coffee shop and the gender sign on the restroom door was hardly recognizable because mm -hmm. there were so many options. Yeah. This is the world that we're in now. It's, right. it's a world of confusion and it's a world of, of so many options that you don't know which way to go. Right. Uh, you're overwhelmed. Right. I, I always hear the story about, you know, the first time someone comes from a third world country to the U S and walks into a supermarket 
Yeah. And it's like, you're kidding me. 10 kinds of beans. I, I've just never imagined. And I'm just frozen and overwhelmed by, by such a thing. And I think this kind of smorgasbord or this kind of buffet line yeah. Yeah. of ideologies is overwhelming and yeah. it's confusing. And uh, the, you know, the prolific uh, social media options, it's, yeah. It's bad and getting worse as far as just the the flood of confusion and optional thought hmm. that I think we have to not battle on a thousand fronts, the disorganization and confusion of the culture. We have to go back to the source of truth and focus yeah. on the truth. I love that. Christ and him crucified, the yeah. power of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. It is the power of God. It doesn't reflect it, refract it or contain it. It actually is the power of God. Uh, mm -hmm. the gospel is. And so I love that. Um, so uh, we've talked a little bit about the the student you're reaching, the student you're trying to reach, which is really any student um, and figuring out ways to get to them. Uh, in, uh, in, my, in my Youth for Christ days, we had a lot of paid staff, but we had way, way more volunteer staff. Um, I'm assuming that's true for you guys as well. Um, that that's true. I, I feel like we have to go to grow and go on on the uh, on the hope of having a large volunteer crew. Yeah. So tell me tell me a little bit about the person uh, that you say, man, I'd love for this person to step up because when we talk about you for Christ and we've talked about culture and we've talked about um, the the response of the faith world or the evangelical world, not to put it in the in the political term of evangelical. Um, but the evangelical world is we, I think, as you said, we fight on multiple levels rather than hold true to a single truth uh, that Jesus is the answer and he loves you and he wants to be in your life and you need him there. So we have people who come to volunteer or to serve who are armed with uh, conspiracies. They're armed with uh, language that's divisive. They're armed with um, uh, uh, attacking a symptom rather than offering a solution for the sickness. So talk to me about the person that you say, this is who I really want to come and serve uh, alongside of who, who will help us communicate this life-changing message of Jesus uh, to students. Well, just some thoughts I have about volunteerism is, uh, you know, first of all, it's not for the faint hearted. Uh, and, uh, I recognize that, uh, one time I shared it this way, uh, when given an option between working with a teenager for an hour or breaking your little toe, 90% <laughs> will choose the toe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a rare, rare person who feels called and chosen to work with teenagers because it's such a hard, um, it, it's such a, it's such a complex relationship. Yeah. And it's, it's frankly, quite a responsibility. And so, um, and, and then just having the time to meet up with kids at the times that they're free yeah, yeah. and available, it's not always doable for, for volunteers. So I look at volunteers as that rare breed, that kind of, you know, the few, the proud, the chosen yeah. who can, who feel called to it, who feel equipped and gifted for it, and then who have the time and ability to invest in it weekly, because we really do want volunteers who weekly can be in relationship with kids. Yeah. Now, at Youth for Christ, as you know, we we do a lot of fun things. We do camp, we do barbecue cookouts, we do game nights. Um, we can oftentimes use utilize volunteers in more of an operational capacity, driving a vehicle if they're approved, uh, running a barbecue grill, uh, donating, uh, donating sports equipment or donating financial resources. Right. These kinds of things help us. If you want to work face-to-face -face with kids, we're going to ask you to go through a process with us. Hmm. Our, our national office, of course, YFC is built of many chapters across the country. Our national office has a process. We, we have an online process for volunteers to walk through. We'll look at references. Mm -hmm. We'll do the background check. And we'll have a conversation. And then um, we want to talk about training. And it really is, this is a specialty. Working with teenagers is a specialty skill. And we want to train people, train them up to be efficient and effective at what they do. 
Um, we don't expect volunteers to come in knowing everything and knowing A, B, C, D, E, how to share the gospel and uh, having had hours and hours and hours of experience with teenagers. But we do want to equip them to be yeah. effective before they are thrown out into the fire. Hmm. I love that. And you know, in Acts 17, uh, Ed, um, uh, in the Acropolis, Paul's walking through and he's getting ready to speak to the Athenians. And he's strolling through this hallway and he sees the statue to the unknown God. And it says that internally he was disturbed. And I think that oftentimes um, we don't understand our calling, um, but when God wants to use somebody, he often disturbs them. Uh, when he wants to do something, he'll disturb a leader or he'll disturb a volunteer. And I would say that it's possible that somebody listening today or somebody reflecting on students, youth culture, that they're disturbed. And the enemy would want us to judge them. Uh, and mm -hmm. the father would want us to go and befriend them and build a bridge uh, of the gospel to them. And so if somebody is listening today and they're disturbed in their spirit, young people are, are out of control. Young people are struggling. Um, if somebody comes to you with that disturbed spirit, can you help shape that into a compassionate heart? And obviously they have to be willing uh, through equipping and training them to work with students. Can you use that person? I think I think one thing we have to do is we have to be careful of the soundbite culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, we we tend through social media to live off of soundbites. Yeah. Well, you're going to say this. I'm going to say that back to you. This is not how we work with youth. And I, I wouldn't even say to a volunteer a soundbite about working with youth. Mm -hmm. If I'm working with a new volunteer, I want to ask them questions about their perspective and where they're coming from. Right. First and foremost, foremost, find out where they're coming from and why, why they have that perspective. I'll be honest with you, Leonard, in the past two weeks, um, we had a volunteer application that I asked not to proceed with us. Hmm. Um, it just it did not seem like a right fit and that this person could be able to share with youth in a healthy and safe way. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is that. I mean, there is this a filtering, a screening that we do to find people who have that heart that is obedient to the Lord and open to loving kids of all kinds, mm -hmm. kids who have all kinds of issues yeah. and problems and confusion without judging, without uh, lecturing. Yeah. Uh, I've even heard a kid in the last month say, well, adults are kind of luxury. So it was easier for me to hear <laughs> about Jesus from my fellow student. Yeah. And I, I get that. I get that. We, we tend to go there, don't we? I mean, yeah. if we're a parent, you bet we go there. Yeah. Um, but we are looking for the ability to have that soft heart and that listening heart yeah. that just hugs a kid when they're down, uh, hugs a kid that's confused about their gender yeah. or confused about sexuality or about morality or uh, gang membership or whatever they're confused about. That just loves on them and says, I love you. I'm going to be here for you. And I want to help you make great decisions going forward. Hmm, that's so great. Um, we uh, <laughs> there's a lot of folks out there um, who say yes to the invitation to love God, but not the invitation to join Him in what He wants done. And so they sit in churches, they sit in places, they say, "Man, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus." Uh, but they'll walk right past anybody in need. And then there's a group of people out there for whom the the disturbance in their heart is so real that they they struggle to love God, but boy, their heart is tugged towards the needs and the burdens of others. And they they say, man, I want to be a partner with God, but not build their friendship with God. And you really need both. You really need to abide and to bear fruit. You need to love him and love others. Um, and uh, when we were doing a lot of training, this is way back in the 90s and 80s and 90s. So if I'm digging up old stuff and throwing it out there, you can just hit the eject button and say, oh, you're old school. <laughs> um, but one of the things that when I would train staff, I would always tell them, how many of you came because you love students? And every hand in the room would go up. And I'd say, that gets you here. And I'm so glad that you love students because God loves students. Let's affirm that. But it doesn't keep you here. Uh, what keeps you here is a love for God. 
because students are going to disappoint you. They're going to miss your meetings. They're going to say things that you don't even know how to handle. Uh, they're going to get mad at you for no reason. They're going to quit returning your calls. Uh, <clears throat> and you have to be here because you love Jesus and Jesus loves students. And that is a process that we just had to identify um, to walk people through the as they would step in and serve kids. They'd go, oh, you know what? I'm here. I'm here because I love Jesus. He matters. And I'm assuming that's still true today. Maybe not the same language. You know, everything you said, Leonard, is the same today, except that they'll stop not returning your calls. They'll stop returning your texts. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. They stop returning your texts. We, we are, um, I'm so excited about uh, you being at you for Christ um, and, and, and leading the team forward uh, as uh, as they are ambassadors for Christ in into generations where young people are. Um, I noticed when I was working with students, I spent almost 20 plus years working with students about every three years, there was a, there was a, a step down in culture, a step down in, in, in ethics and morality. Uh, mm -hmm. And we would see it about every three to three and a half years, almost you could mark it with a graduating class mm. that, that freshman coming in, their values were lower than that senior going out. Mm -hmm. And uh, and part of that was it caused a continual need for ongoing training for our teams. Mm -hmm. It caused a continual need for us to be able to look at uh, culture and not arrive with statistics from 1981, but to arrive with information that um, is in real time. Yeah. Uh, how how do you prepare? Um, how do you prepare people to go? and be with students uh, so that they're able to stay in real time, uh, real connection? Well, it starts with our, uh, you know, we have a paid staff of 25. It starts with our, our staff team. And uh, we're sending another wave starting July 1st, where we've got another wave of uh, eight or 10 of our newer staff going through what we call our new leader training. And it's our YFC patented, um, training 18 months of training 18 months i mean you are exactly right it it's not something you inherently know how to work with kids and share christ with them along the way there are so many things so many complicated uh, aspects of those relationships that need to be trained in and practiced and role played and studied and read through and and conversed about that we are sending, we are committed to sending our staff team through training. There's mm -hmm. also volunteer training and volunteer opportunities. Uh, our, our, our team then trains their volunteers in the different areas. Mm -hmm. And certainly there are nuances. If you're, if you're a, a volunteer with the basketball program that does basketball tournaments, it's a very different role than you might play if you're at the Campus Life Barn and you do weekly Campus Life programs at the Barn in Granite Bay area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are very different things that you need to do and be equipped for. And so our teams will have pockets of training mm. to prepare those volunteers for those different locations. Mm. And I, I, thanks for being committed to training people. Uh, that is such a gift to uh, to the kingdom. Well-trained people. I was just in Cuba and we were down in uh, Santiago uh, de Chile and uh, or de Cuba and um, Tafidio Stevenson, the great uh, Cuban boxer from uh, the Olympics and everything, was mm -hmm. I'm I'm in my way back machine right now. Um, he might have been one of the greatest fighters ever, but the Cuban government wouldn't let him go professional. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted him only for their homeland, and so uh, we were talking about how he trained uh, and how he uh, he did jump rope for foot foot speed and how he hit the speed bag for hand speed and they hit the heavy bag for, you know, all the various uh, nuances of training. And they were all specifically designed for something that put together the complete package of a fighter that could win a gold medal. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I hear that in you uh, as you're talking about uh, taking your training and saying, well, this is how you're going to be doing these things. And so I just I so appreciate uh, the commitment that you have and YFC has to training um, uh, people uh, to come in and love students 
in with the love of God and be face to face. And if I can be transparent, we're not there yet. We we have some uh, some building and rebuilding to do in some of our training capacities. I want to tell you some great news for us. Yesterday, I just yesterday uh, heard. Um, so so I had proposed to a found a local foundation a request for a grant that they would help us fund the training of our team. Yeah. And would you believe that this foundation just yesterday told me, yes, we will, we will give youth for Christ $18,000 mm-hmm. to train your new staff. And that is so amazing to me because first of all, it's, it was recognized by this foundation as an important element of what we do. Yeah. Everything is important that we do. It's important to have sporting equipment. It's important to have food at events. It's important to hand out Bibles but yet training is, is like a foundational element, as you know. Yeah. And so, so we have some funding to help us do that and do it better. And I just, I just love that. Yeah, man. It, what a gift. Thank God for that foundation, but thank God that uh, you guys are seeing that. Um, and uh, well-trained people are always uh, more confident, more joyful uh, and um, more effective. You know, mm-hmm. you go to, you go to, uh, and I, I'm going to say it out loud, go to McDonald's and it feels like I just walked through, went through a drive-through where people were not trained, mm-hmm. uh, go to Chick-fil-A and I walked, I just went through a drive-through where everybody's trained. There's a mm-hmm. uniformity to the culture. Yeah. And uh, one of the ways in which we build a uniformity to the culture, one of those organizations has a clear mission. The other one doesn't, um, right. and or at least it doesn't have a clear mission that people know how to live into because they haven't been trained for that. Right. So I so appreciate that for all my friends who like uh, Happy Meals versus uh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I apologize in advance, uh, but that's just a reality to my experience. And that's across the country. Well, we've that's, all been there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So um in in your in your um, approach to to uh, how you prepare your people to go serve students, and in your approach to students, um, what kind of or do you have anything that turns students into staff? You know that was always a big pool from which um, we drew our teams. Was you know this person we met them when they were thirteen or fourteen. We loved on them. They became a student leader, and now they're nineteen or twenty or twenty-one, and and they're uh, they're part of our staff. Uh, mm-hmm. Somewhere in the in the nineties, we quit seeing that in 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 parachurch youth ministry. Yeah. And do you guys have something that you're putting into place for that? We do. I would say there's uh, there's a little bit of a cultural uh, change that's happened over the last twenty years, maybe thirty years where uh, people aren't as organization-based or as organization, um, of, they, they don't have an affinity for the organization mm-hmm. like we used to, right? Um, and so we don't emphasize so much that you can sign up to be a part of you know, XYZ organization or Youth for Christ, but we do, we do emphasize that you can be in relationship with other great leaders. Mm-hmm. And uh, that seems to ring the bell more in this culture. Mm. Is just, I can improve myself. I can be in relationship with other great mentors that I'd like to learn from. Right. And one day I'll be a leader like them. Yeah. And so young people today still do want to learn to be strong leaders. Uh, if, they're, if they're Christian young people, they want to learn to impact their generation for Christ. And so we've got some programs that we would call uh, either student leadership or campus life leadership yeah. or young ambassadors. And our, our young ambassadors, our young trainees, uh, interns, whatever you want to call them, really talking about juniors and seniors in high school that are being given more and more leadership responsibility so they can be trained up on the job. Then when they graduate high school, uh, we stay connected with them in college and they can become volunteers in some of our programs. Yeah. And they can become hired on interns, which we have right now. We have interns who are hired on. And what makes an intern is someone who is kind of not ready for a full-time job, not ready for the commitment. They maybe are in college right. and they're learning skills and life skills. They're learning about their own career. 
but we will help mentor them as young people at, in college and, and whatnot to that day when they say, yes, this is something I want to do for a right. longer term. Well, then those people gradually become promoted into part-time and full-time staff. Hmm. So you can call it our, uh, you know, our recruiting funnel, um, the minor leagues to the major leagues, however you want to put it. Right. Uh, we, we do love to bring in young people who have experienced the ministry as a recipient and then become a, a, a sharer of the ministry. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's terrific. Um, there's a, uh, there is a, a nature to, I don't even like the word parachurch just because I think it, the, the, the language of it says sort of like seeker sensitive. It's just outdated. Um, but as you guys are the church, but you also come alongside the church, um, and maybe this is the transitory nature of all ministry. Um, we used to say that that you for Christ uh, for for a select few was a landing place. You can build a career there, you can spend your life there, you can serve there. Uh, but for the majority of people, you for Christ is a launch pad to mm -hmm. the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a point in time when. Uh, when a huge percentage of pastors came out of Youth for Christ or Young Life, mm -hmm. because you they operated at with an understanding that we're literally launching people into ministry through our young ambassadors through student ministry, and so what an amazing uh, legacy Youth for Christ is in uh, how it's impacted the kingdom. Uh, when I travel around the world, one of the first places I look for a connection. Uh, that's new is always look for a youth for Christ. Is there a youth for Christ in that city? Uh, because mm -hmm. I know at least there's a similarity of heart that says, well, let's go see how many, how many people we can impact, uh, equip, train yeah. and develop for the kingdom. So yeah. um, when I, when I was in Fresno, Leonard, I had the privilege of walking up and, and shaking hands with Luis Palau. Mm, yeah. And Luis was in town for a crusade. And I said, Luis, I'm Ed. I'm the I'm the Youth for Christ guy. And he said, Youth for Christ. I love Youth for Christ. And it was the same way. He yes. he knew recognized Youth for Christ as one of those launch pads for ministry around the world. Yes. And that's we're proud of that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh I celebrate Youth for Christ. I don't uh I don't I would not be where I'm at were it not for Gary Fox taking a chance on a kid who didn't know anything uh, as a campus life director. Uh, I was in my senior year. He was my campus life director. Uh, and then uh, a few years later, I came on staff with Youth for Christ. And, um, you know, his, I think they used to say, if we can't control him, we better support him. <laughs> you know, that sounds like Gary. It and does. I want to tell you, uh, uh, Gary's been a big help to me coming in new six months ago to this role yeah. He's still around. He's still uh, working part time and doing his thing. And yeah. just last night, he gave me a mentoring assignment. Yeah. So he is still doing his thing. He he pointed out a young man who needs to be in uh, in ministry in some capacity hmm. and said, Ed, it's on your plate now, buddy. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there is uh, probably no other minister I respect more than Gary. Uh, in the kingdom of God. Just, uh, I love him with all my heart. He and Kathy, his girls and grandkids and all of them, uh, they were all in junior high and high school uh, when I was coming through. And so I just, nothing but admiration um, for him and for the work that he's done, um, which leads me to my next question for you. Um, we all stand on someone else's yes. Someone said yes, so that you can say yes. Someone sell, told God, I'm going to go do this. Uh, and because they did, uh, a friend said, yeah, I'll invite Ed to FCA. There was a volunteer who said, I'm going to put FCA on the campus. There was a, there was a priest or a nun who somehow said, uh, the soil of truth has to be sown in his life so that when the gospel arrives, it's watering something and growing something. There was, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can make a list of other people. And so my question yeah. for you, uh, what are some significant yeses that other people said that you can say, I stand on those. Those are sh what shaped me. Mm. Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, boy, I just, it's like a long line of the saints of the church. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, 
when I uh, when I was trying to figure out uh, what kind of church I should attend once I became a, a new believer, a real, you know, honest to goodness believer in Jesus and follower, I found this little church called Santa Cruz Bible Church because I'd moved to Santa Cruz and a, little, a, a young, young whippersnapper of a pastor named Chip Ingram. Yeah who is a very well-known international pastor now, but at the time he was just cutting his teeth. But uh, I, my spirituality grew leaps and bounds under a pastor who was very articulate about the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, when I came to Youth for Christ, uh, I you know, first encountered a, a leader in Fresno named Randy Muherter. He was one of the greatest evangelists I know. And uh, his passion for sharing Christ with kids um, just rang true, even though he was the executive director, he still was sharing Christ with kids yeah. every way and every day he could. And then as I've come to Sacramento, of course, uh, here in, here in Sacramento, we know of the name Rob Maxey, yeah. who was a great, uh, youth for Christ campus life leader and executive director who sadly died too young of cancer when he was 52. Yeah back in 2017, but I had the privilege of knowing Rob and he impacted my ministry greatly. And I stand on his shoulders and all the previous executive directors back through uh, Dan Palmer and down to Gary and uh, Ted Smith and some other great names of people, Jim Holst. Uh, there are folks that have, uh, and yourself, of course, who worked in Youth for Christ and established uh, established guidelines and practices and expectations that ring true today yeah well i certainly am uh, appreciate uh i know almost every one of those names and uh you know i remember when rob maxi first came on staff and and uh, going a thousand miles an hour and we're trying to figure out what is that accent of his you know uh, <laughs> and uh such an amazing amazing friend and um, such a uh, glorious day for heaven when he went home mm -hmm. and uh, left us all scratching our heads going, wait a minute, God. Um, so I, I, I certainly appreciate all those names. Um, is there anything else you want to tell us? You know, we're going to wrap this up because I want to respect your time. I know you've probably got 35 other meetings to be at. And mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about uh, Youth for Christ? Um, I'm going to just ask it this way to kind of throw you the softball. Do you guys need money? Um, and do you need people? And if you do, how do we get that to you? I, I think the, the easiest thing for people is to find us online at yfcsacramento.org. Okay. Uh, our website has it all, yfcsacramento.org. It has ways to give. Uh, we, uh, we love to receive finances, which is converted directly into ministry, which is converted directly into life transformation, yeah. as you know. Um, we've received donated cars, uh, vehicles of all kinds. We have people volunteer through our website. We do want volunteers. I'll be honest with you, Leonard. Uh, we're, we're in a phase, and probably COVID did us in to some extent. We're a little weak on volunteers right now. Hmm. We can't reach the kids like we want to without quality volunteers. Yeah. And they've got to be the kind of people that are, you know, willing to get their hands dirty and, uh, you know, uh, have mud wars or have water fights or uh, haul the pizza onto a, a high school campus. These are intimidating things. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're looking for the few, the proud, the, you know, the, those that are called. And we'll walk them through and we'll provide the training and we'll walk with them to understand what to do. Mm -hmm. um, YFCSacramento.org, again, it's all there. And we've got some really neat video clips on there. It, folks who knew Rob and want to relive his ministry, there's a legacy page on there. People can give through their will or estate to our chapter as well. That's an option. So uh, it's all on there. Uh, you know, thanks for letting us hear all that. Um, and I'm so grateful that you came and uh, uh, we love, we love Sacramento Youth for Christ. We love Youth for Christ, period. But Sacramento Youth for Christ, uh, we, there's, we can just share names. We can talk about Omar. We can talk about all the various people that have served there and still serve there. Uh, you know, we are personally committed to Corinne financially um, mm. and just love what she's doing over in Kennedy. I love reading her letters. Leonard, do I have time to tell you one, like a 45 second story? Uh, you got all that. It's your time. You tell us whatever you want. I've got to share with you what happened this morning. 
a pastor reached out to us to talk about our outreach called Point Break, mm -hmm. which is the anti-bullying uh, uh, seminar, seminars that we do on campus. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to help with that. He loved those. And we started talking. And I happened, to, he said, what else do you do? And I happened to mention, oh, we have a, an awesome basketball program called Crossover for inner city youth. And he, he put his hands on the table and said, my church has a gym that we don't use. <laughs> Just 10 days ago, Omar had told me, we need a gym. And it, I prefer that it have six hoops, not two, so that we can work our kids out. But we have to have access to this gym. Guess what this pastor told me? <laughs> Ed, our gym has six hoops and 100% access if someone will just use it. Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you, Jesus. This is the kind of thing that Jesus does. And he yeah. furthermore said, we'd like to work with McClatchy High School. Do you have anything at McClatchy? Oh, well, Corinne Weeks, it works yes. at McClatchy. We'll connect her with you. So right now, I just got a text from Omar. He is over there looking at their gym for the first <laughs> time. That is so great. God moves quickly and he moves efficiently and he is behind this ministry. Yeah. And I would have it no other way. Yeah. You know, daily I pray, we run our own nonprofit. Uh, daily I say, God, this is yours. And if it's going to go, it's going to go because you, you made it happen. You put us in the face to face, but we're going to ask questions. We're going to ask for things, but you're going to be the one who puts us in those right places. Yes. And so I certainly appreciate. Welcome to Youth for Christ. Uh, didn't get to officially say that. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm sure with 100% that, uh, already today, there are people who stand on your shoulders, uh, in many, many places. And I can't wait, uh, for the, as the kingdom unfolds for us to be in heaven, shoulder to shoulder and see there's some student going, Hey, you know what? Because, because Ed joined the staff because he trained people because he served. I'm just standing on his shoulders. So I'm just grateful for you to be there. And um, uh, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, that's going to be it for us at Youth for, or Youth for Christ. <laughs> Say Yes and Become. I got all confused. I was nostalgic for a second there. That's it for us at Say Yes and Become. And, and thanks again. And we will see you next time we uh, record.